Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Tonight is our final night. I'd like all the people on the worship team, if you would stand very quickly. Um, If you're on the worship team, if you sing on the worship team, if you play ever, like if you're ever on the worship team, praise the Lord. So is that everybody? That's all the drummers, guitarists, and singers. All right. Well, just give them a big hand. I appreciate them. And I just think it's good to always congratulate people that are serving in the church. Praise the Lord. All right, you can be seated for now. We will minister to you in a little bit. But uh, as our last message in this time that we've had on the laws of possessing are on making your Christianity work and all the attributes of that, if you weren't here, then you should get the other three messages which go into the details of how to take the inheritance God has given you and take it from a position to a possession. So you're not a Christian with the title of a Christian and the lifestyle of a lost person. And so that your experiences with God are not religion-based. They are relationship-based. They are based on a living person that you can have a living relationship with, who you can touch, feel, hear, sense, smell, see, and have the perceptions of his presence with you all the time. If God does not become tangible, then it only makes sense that you're going to rotate to the most tangible pleasure areas that you can find. For many of you, those will be dangerous places, toxic places, and for sure, places of pain sorrow, grief, and deep-rooted darkness. So you don't want to do that. You want to rise out of that place, and you want to go to a place where Christianity has become a true blessing to your life and a living thing that is alive all day long that heals you, that delivers you, that breaks your chains, that sets you free, that heals your body, that heals your mind, that heals your emotions, that heals your past, heals your past experiences, that heals your memories, that heals your being and personality. And so we're going now towards the end of this, and I'm ending with this. Title of this is simply, Who Are You? And I'd like you to ask that to a few people around you. Who are you? Because as you know, who you are could be a very complicated question. (laughs) Because you could say, who are you to your mother? Who are you to your wife? Who are you to your husband? Who are you to your boss? Who are you to yourself? These are serious questions and you're going to get seven different answers. However they perceive you 
and however they have judged who you are as a human being, and then who you are to God. And um, we want to talk about this powerful thing called identity, because if Christianity is going to work, it can't work if the real you is not even around. I mean, how does it work for a fake? How does it work for an actor? A Christian that just acts like a Christian. You know, how does it work for a person who has been so defeated by people in their life and by life that they can't really look up? They have no joy in who they are. They actually don't even like themselves. How is that person ever going to enjoy God or life? If you don't like yourself, you're already in a boat that is sinking. And if you like yourself because of your vanity and pride, then you are on the high level of self-deception. Because there's nothing good in you without God. It is only God in you that can create a lovable person, a beautiful person, and a person that can help people. And so identity is a big thing. Since you were born till today that you're in this room, there have been things eating away at your identity, at the who are you. <coughs> and... These things, these people, experiences and circumstances have created a belief system that you have about who, who you are. And so it's really important, number one, tonight, we want to heal your identity. And then we want to show you how to drink from the river of what God thinks about you. <coughs> Isn't they water? Can I have some water? <coughs> I don't know. Just a little bit of cough. So, thank you. I got it here, Pastor. So, <laughs> there you go. So, we'll go to Psalm 139 to start. And I want you to, to just get three thoughts in your mind, even before I read the scripture, and these are the three thoughts, and I want to give them to you, okay? Never accept an identity that doesn't look like Jesus. Don't say about yourself, I'm just not very personable. Don't say about yourself, I just have a really short temper. Don't say to yourself, you know, I was just really quiet. Don't say to yourself things that don't match the identity of Jesus, which he died on the cross to give you. You have genetic identity, which is your natural nature, which must be overcome by the power of God's word. It has to be overcome. You may be that way naturally, but you can't ever accept a natural identity that does not line up to what Jesus is like. 
There is no such thing as you being bad and saying, well, I'm just that way. My father was wild, I'm wild. You're accepting now an identity that Jesus didn't give you, nor does he even want you to have. Number one, it's dangerous and it hurts people. Don't say about yourself, well, you know, I'm just depressed. That's who I am. I've been that way since I was a child. Or I'm afraid. Or, you know, I, I'm dysfunctional. Or all those things may be totally true, but you cannot accept them. You must go to war with every identity you have that is not part of the identity of who Jesus is. You may have it. It may be a part of you and it may come natural, but it cannot be tolerated. Amen. I was born shy. I was very shy. I was so shy that at the beginning of every year of school, my mother wrote a letter to my teacher and the letter said this, do not ask him to say anything in class or he will run away and spankings do not work. So Satan began to eat my identity as a young child through experiences that I had. He ate my identity. He took it from me. Well, how does a person feel who's been violated by a relative? How does that identity work? How does that person live? What if you're born totally poor and all your relatives are alcoholics, drunks, drug addicts, and are in prison? And what if you believe what everybody says about whoever you may be or whatever group you may belong to? Are you just going to accept these things? Or is there an identity that is the result of God's victories at Calvary? Or are you just going to be what your father said you were? When he cussed you out, when he found fault with you, when he criticized, when he called you names, or your previous wife, or your previous husband, or your previous two husbands, or three wives, they all hated you. And they all hated you for the same reason, who you were, that wasn't who you should be, that God can make. Don't accept an identity that doesn't come from God. Praise the Lord. Two, your identity will control your faith. Whatever you believe about yourself, it will control your faith. You will not be able to rise above who you believe you are. Your faith and the Bible and the things you hear from preachers will all stop at that door. You will feel like, well, this doesn't really apply to me because I'm not like that. And, and you'll stop it. It will stop the faith of God getting into you and turning you into a weapon in the hands of God. Three, and this is my third thought, the identity you choose to embrace will create your destiny. Be careful what you decide you are, and what you decide, you can become.
because you are not going to go past that. You may be the worst husband today because your wife tells you you are. She's not lying. She's not making it up unless she's crazy and mean. But is that who you're going to accept? Or are you going to go to the cocoon of God? To the holy place of embracing the nearness of God and the intimacies of God. Where he can wrap you in divinity. And pieces of him are added to you. And that which is hated now becomes that which is loved. That which is disrespected now becomes that which is respected. Praise the Lord. So keep that in mind as we travel on this tonight. And we get rid of the identity monsters that you may still have in your life. That are still eating and chewing away at you. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's go to Psalm 139. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. You compass me or surround my path and my lying and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. You have beset me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. And such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Everybody say that out loud. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that, and that my soul knows right well. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuous continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts of me, and how great is the sum of them, if I would count them, they are like the sands of the sea. Praise the Lord. So, think about this for a minute. You have your arrogance, your ego, and your pride, and a lot of people walk in that, so they act like they're really something, really special, really amazing, but they have no facts to back it up with. They're actually cruel and mean and lousy and addicted and perverted and ungodly and terrible and miserable and all. But they just walk with arrogance. Just walk around like peacocks. But they have nothing to base their peacockness on. It's just inflated ego. So you don't want that. And if that's what you have, you need to... Get rid of it because it is not your friend and nobody will like you. 
You will be alone till you die. Praise the Lord. So we want to get over here to where God can take us like a piece of clay, unformed, yet soft, pliable, movable, formable, changeable. He can tear a piece off of us. He can add something. He can bend us in this place. He can reshape us in that place. He can make us into anything he wants us to be. Jeremiah 18, we are the clay, he is the potter. We can't jump off the potter's wheel. We have to let God do the squeezing, the pushing, the shaping, the pulling, the tearing, and the adding. Praise God. This whole potter's wheel is called the potter's wheel of life. And you as a Christian are going to be put on that potter's wheel. And you are going to be twisted till you don't know which way is north, which way is south, which way is east, which way is west. You're not going to know it. Because you're going to be spinning and spinning and spinning by the hand of God. You're going to feel God at times rip something out of your life. It won't feel like a gentle pull. It'll feel like God just tore that out of my life. And he didn't even do it softly or easily. He tore it right out of my life. And there's going to be other times when you feel God pushing on you with pressure. He's going to let pressure, different kinds of pressure, pressure you to a place where you feel like you're about to pop. And you're going to have to cry out to God and say, God, I can't take it. I can't handle it. This is too much pressure. And you're going to cry out to God and he is going to reach down and deliver you out of that pressure. And then he's going to increase, listen to this word, increase your capacity for divine long suffering and patience because he's just pushed on your clay. And oh, when he's formed you, then he's got to go into the fire. And in the fire, you become solidified as the person he created you to be. The fire then does not damage you. It simply empowers you and it makes all the good things God has put in you to stay there forever and ever and ever. He literally burns them into you and they become a piece of who you are. So this thing with you getting mad because your children are are all misbehaving and nobody likes you and all this with everybody just bothering you all the time and nobody being considerate and people being offensive and rude and, and nobody thinking about you and everybody being so selfish and all. This is not like an accident. This is the potter's wheel. God is not going to take the potter's wheel away. He's not going to stop pressuring you or pushing you or pulling you or, 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 or forming you or changing you or, or, or pu- putting water on you or, or cutting something. He's going to keep doing all those things in your life 
until you cooperate with his hands and don't push back. I mean, what kind of clay says, hey, that hurts. You're, don't do that. Stop that, Lord. Don't push me. Don't pull on me like that. Don't, you tore that off. What kind of a God are you ripping me and tearing me? Leave me alone. What clay does that? No clay does that. So why do you complain? Do you not want to be like Jesus? Is that not the goal? Look at someone and say, is that not the goal? Why are you, what is this Christianity about? Is it about you staying mean and ugly and meaner than a junkyard dog? Or, or is this about you becoming someone that brings glory to God in the way you respond to trials and tests, tribulations, burdens, and inconvenience? God's not mad at you. It's not like the world is bad. It's that you are pushing back on the hands of your maker and of the potter. We all have done it. We all do it when we're not aware of what's happening. You have to be aware. This is God taking me to the end of my patience. This is as far as I have patience, but he is pushing me. He is pushing me farther. God, I'm not going to be able to handle this. Help me. And then bam, he does it. And a new capacity is created. Where you could handle three miserable people a day. Now you're able to hand, handle 10 miserable people a day without losing your joy, without losing your peace, and without getting angry. Identity. How can you ever be a Christian if all you see about yourself is negative? How can you ever walk in unconditional love towards people if you don't even like yourself. Don't measure your beauty by your fat. Your fat is temporary. I've lost 24 pounds already. 24 pounds of, of uh, fat that I am not allowing to identify me. I am a lean, mean, preaching machine. Turn to somebody and say, you are a lean, mean, preaching machine. Praise the Lord. So when you look in the Bible, you have these places. They are sacred places where your identity is formed by God, the potter's wheel is one. You also have the furnace. The Bible calls it the furnace, that he puts us in a furnace. And Zion and the priests are all cleansed and purified in the furnace of the fire and power of God in your life. You have the cross, the ultimate place of transformation. 
You have 2 Corinthians 3.18. Every time you see Jesus, transformations take place. Every time you behold the glory of God or the presence of God, something ugly changes into something beautiful. You have the cocoon of God, 2 Corinthians 3.18. When you go into the metamorphosis, the cocoon, that's where God wraps your wormness, your worminess, the pieces of you that like living in dirt. They like moving around in dirt. They like the feel of dirt, the taste of dirt, the smell of dirt, and they only feel at home in dirt. That part of you, God takes that and puts it in that cocoon of divine revelation. And divine revelation begins to wrap itself around you. And over years of that happening, you're inside there. Like, what am I hearing? Okay. I thought you were playing a song or something for me. So you're, 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 you're put in that cocoon of divine revelation. See, every revelation from God is a strand of that divine cocoon. So this is why you take notes in church. This is why you write down what God tells you because you are taking the divine strand of God and wrap it in around your worm. And as long, when you're fully covered in that revelation, your worm, you, will come out with big wings and the wings will have colors on them. And nobody will notice that connected to those wings is still a worm. All they'll see is the wings and they'll notice you don't crawl, you don't walk, and you don't touch dirt. You fly around showing all the colors of your wings, which are the colors of the redemptive acts of God upon you. And what God did to you made you grow wings and transform from a worm into a flying, beautiful portrait of God's love. So every time you go back to the dirt, you are telling God, don't give me any wings. I choose the dirt. I choose to be a worm and stay a worm. When really you're created to reveal the wonders of God to everyone. Have you ever been to a butterfly sanctuary? What are they called? But when you go in there, you don't go, you don't hear all the people in the children saying, oh, a worm, a worm, a flying worm. A worm, a worm. Ooh, look at that big worm. That's a big one. Ooh, la, la, la. Ooh, look at the worm. Look at the worm. No, they don't notice the worm. They say, oh my gosh, look at the wings on that thing. Wow, look at the colors of that. Wow, how did God make that? Look at that giant, little giant. Ah. And the little children are just, because this is you. With God on you. With God in you. And if you'll just let God wrap his revelations around you. And build you a cocoon. 
so you can stop crawling around the dirt and start flying like you were created to do. And you see, this applies to every human being. Every single person, no matter how evil they have been, this is their God destiny if they choose it. Now, once people get to a certain level of evil, most of them cannot repent at that point. They are beyond the point of being able to repent. They have murdered their conscience, seared it with a hot iron, and evil has become their identity. You have done evil things, but that's not who you are. It's just the stupid things you did when you didn't know. Or you've done evil things knowing they were evil, but because you lusted after them, you did them anyway. But that's not who you are. Unless you choose that identity. So what identity are you going to choose? The worm or the butterfly? Because every time you say, I won't forgive myself for that, every time you say that, you're choosing to be a worm. You can't pay for your sins. You can only repent of them. That's the only relationship with sin you're allowed to have. You're not allowed to have, I'm going to pay for this. That's not a relationship you're allowed to have because Jesus already did that. He already paid for it. You don't need to be a savior to yourself. That's motivational speaking. You don't need to be a savior to yourself. You need a savior. You repent. That's the only relationship with sin that we are given. Repent of it. Repent of it. Reject it. Resist it. Flee from it. Turn from it. Turn away from it. Run away from it. That's the only relationship you're allowed to have with the sins that are trying to give you an identity. So stop running from the fire. Stop running from the furnace. Stop running from the cocoon. Stop running from the potter's hands. Stop running from the feet and foot of Calvary. And stop refusing to crucify yourself to the cross with Jesus and stop resisting the hand of God that is putting pressure on you to show you where the devil is hiding inside you. Because God will take you to the place where the fire is so hot that the devil will come out of you. Oh, he'll stick his, he'll just stick his fork right out of there. The murder will be in your eyes. The loathing of whoever's around will be there. The anger will rise up. And that is the devil. And that is the divine thing that's going on. For God is showing you where your judgment is waiting. And you can stop it from happening. Praise God. Look at two or three around you and say, I was hoping for a lighthearted, happy, little music type, sound of music type, do, re, mi type message tonight. Praise the Lord.
So you are never going to get better until who you are gets better. Your identity has to be healed. Revelation is the healer. So every time God speaks to you something, you write it down and memorize it, and you're wrapping the divine thread of God around you. And after you pick up 30, 40, 50, 100, 200, 300 of them, you'll just be covered in it. And then the devil won't be able to reach you because the devil cannot penetrate the wrapping of heaven. First of all, he's allergic to it. Second of all, he's not attracted to it. And thirdly, he lives in the dirt. He cannot climb to your place. He can only dwell in his place. And he waits for you to visit him. Satan cannot touch you unless you leave your place of safety and crawl down into his dirt and dungeon. And then you're free game for him to devour. You go to the bar, you're in his territory. Get around prostitutes, you're in his territory. Take drugs, you're in his territory. Watch pornography, you're in his territory. Hate a person, you're in his territory. Lose your temper, you're in his territory. Stay depressed and refuse to fight it, you're in his territory. Feel sorry for yourself, you're in his territory. Accuse people, his territory. Criticize people, his territory. Complain, his territory. Reject yourself and others, his territory. Feel all that is his territory. That's where he can minister to you and disciple you. This is how you let Satan mentor you. Because we don't realize, uh, members of the jury, we don't realize that we are being mentored a lot of times by Satan through our Adamic nature. That anger mentors you. Every time you watch somebody on TV murder a person and you admire them and you want to be them, you're being mentored so that if it ever arises, you'll kill somebody. I'm not talking about protecting your family if somebody breaks in your house. Kill everybody. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about murder in your heart. I'm talking about murder in your heart. When you are actually murdering other Christians in the church in your head. Because of jealousy, competition, envy, rejection, and all the other garbage that is part of your Adamic identity. So let's say this out loud. I reject my Adamic identity. I reject everything that is of the world, that connects me to the world, that makes me act like the world, think like the world, or even look like the world. I am not of that identity. You see, you have to be careful what identity you admire. Because you will, you will be converted by the things you admire. They are the powers of conversion are held in the hands of the things and the people 
you look up to. Who do you look up to? You'll find yourself acting that way, talking that way, and even believing that way. If Jesus isn't your top uh, hero, if a movie star is, you're going to be in trouble. Because if you, if you study out the life of that uh, movie star, most of them are a complete, total, absolute wreck. They've been married many, many times. They've had affairs everywhere. They're all alcoholics. They've got all kinds of issues. They're not like happy people. They're acting. <laughs> They're pretending. They make a living by pretending. They pretend so much, some of them forget who they are. They're just pieces of the characters that they have. And this is what they say. This is what they say. It's not me saying it. This is what they say. Oh, yeah, I don't. After I made that, I was messed up for two, three years. That, that really messed me up. Because there are demons associated with certain identities. Satan demons will actually be attracted to certain types of identities that you choose to have. If you choose to be a player or a, a, a man that chases women, well, there are demons that are going to be connected to you that will give you powers of seduction. And those demons will look for women who have those demons as well. And your demons and their demons will talk and you will be attracted. That attraction will produce a sin that will judge you. Not a God that will judge you, but a consequence that will judge you based on the seed that you sowed. When I got saved at 17, this is the truth. The Lord said, don't go to college. I would never say that to anybody, but that's what the Lord told me. He said, I have another path for you. And I was so relieved because one of the things I had already told God is, Lord, I don't think I can make it through college. The temptations will be too great and I'm not strong enough. So he chose another path and saved my life. You have to know where you are strong and you have to know where you are weak because only a fool does not know his own weaknesses. Once you know a weakness, you can prevent it. You can protect it. You can put safeguards in. If you're an alcoholic and just watching a commercial sends you on a drinking binge, you need to take your TV out of your house or you're going to be drunk all the time. I mean, the foam coming out and all the people that drink are all like smart and happy and dressed really well and everything. I mean, why don't they put the alcoholics on there drinking? You know what? Why don't, hey, why don't they put the half naked people in there? All the people that have been run over and molested by everybody and full of all kinds of pain and sorrow and grief. Why don't they put those guys? Hey, Bud Light is a way to go. No teeth. Do that. No, they're going to put all these glamorous, you know, models. Because that's Satan. He's the ultimate marketer of sin. He makes it so beautiful. So what do you think? Who do you want to be?
Say it out loud. I want to be who God has created me to be. Come on, everybody. Raise your hands and say, dear God. Say it. I don't want to be Eminem. I don't want to be Willie. And I don't want to be John Wayne. I want to be like Jesus. Come on, let's give him a praise right now. Come on, let's give him a praise right now and say hallelujah. I tried to cover all the generations. <laughs> Some of you don't even know who John Wayne is. You're like, who's John Wayne? You were like born yesterday. But anyway. So, okay, let's, let's break it down for a couple of more things. So, you were raised by someone. No one here was raised alone on the street with wolves. Even if you didn't have parents, somebody raised you. Grandparents, uncles, aunts, uh, you know, uh, foster care. But somebody tried to raise you, good or bad. So that person or those people have an Adamic nature. They were raised by somebody with an Adamic nature. So whoever raised you, if they were not Christians and not good and not godly, they began to chew on your identity with their nature, with who they are. So when you become like them, you become a field that Satan can sow into and grow trees of evil inside you. And this is how the world is and why the world is full of murder, death, violence, hatred, racism, prejudice, bias, bigotry, pride, ego, vanity, and death. Because everyone has this ugly nature that came from Adam that has been fed through the years and has become more and more powerful. More and more powerful. There are people that if you just look at them wrong, they'll come at you without even saying anything. So here goes. I'm preaching in California three or, three or four months ago. We're at BJ's restaurant. I'm, I, I, after a Sunday night, I'm there. The pastor comes in. We had great services, move of God. The whole church gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Lots of beautiful things. We're eating and all that. That waitress is there. And then all of a sudden, we hear screaming so loud that it made literally the hair on my, and it was not one scream, but it was like several women screaming like they were having their heads cut off. I don't know if you've ever heard a woman scream like when she's about to die. But this is how, how it was. Ah, like that. Two or three of them. And we go, Whoa. over there are two men, big dudes, just going at it. And a little guy, a little cook with a little white hat, jumped on the back of one of the guys and was trying to, you know, was trying to choke him out. And the big guy was just walking around with him like he was nothing. And three or four women, waitresses, had jumped on the other guy. 
three of them were like on top of him. And he was just screaming. So all that settles down. The waitress comes over, breathing real hard. We said, what? What happened? She said, oh my gosh. Well, there was a guy at the bar, and he was already drunk. And he was, you know, there was a man with his wife or his girlfriend sitting there, and he was making a lot of noise. And that guy asked, hey, can, can you quiet down a little bit? I can't hear my wife talk. And he cussed back at him. Then he got up. And when the man got up, the guy sitting there just went at him. I mean, just went at him. Just, I mean, they just went at it. I mean, fish are flying. I mean, just everything. I mean, I mean, it was, it was awesome. And and the pastor and I, I say to the pastor, I said, Pastor, now do you realize by law that if if there's a fight by law, we are required to intervene and try to stop it. He goes. Are you for real? I said, yeah. Especially if it's a woman. We can't just, we got to get in there. And I said, but I need to tell you something, Pastor. I got about 19 seconds in me. After that, I'm done. You're going to have to take over. So just know that in about 9 or 6, 10 seconds, if I don't knock them out in 9 or 10 seconds, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of breath. <laughs> That's how out of shape I am. But there are people who have so filled themselves with Satan through the influences of their family and friends that they have become filled with rage, anger, murder, hate, violence. And then you have this group that doesn't kill people with this. They kill people with this. They sit in church and judge everybody. And their minds are filled with spiritual garbage as they feel superior to everyone else because of the way they dress or how much they read the Bible or how much they go to church. But they're meaner than a junkyard dog. Because remember, religion chokes on freedom. You cannot get a religious person to laugh in church. But they'll go home and watch pornography in secret and then judge and hate everybody else they find out does it. And talk bad about them as the hypocrites that they are because that's what religion will do to you. It will make you a living, walking hypocrite, where Jesus will make you a loving, tolerant, embracing, caring, celebrator of other people. You never put anybody down for anything they believe or any way that they are, and never would it cross your mind that you are superior to anybody. Because remember, all you need to go to hell is to think that one color is superior to another color, and you're going to hell. And you're going to fry like a sausage (laughs) for that evil, satanic belief that you have that one color 
is superior to another color, as if the person with that color had anything to say about the color. You didn't pick your color. You had nothing to do with anything. All you can do is make the best out of whatever thing you got. If you're fat, you're going to have to deal with that fat DNA and say, I just naturally get fat. I mean, I see food and I gain five pounds. But my, my wife here, she's got the gift. She ate six tons this year. And look, she lost seven pounds. <laughs> Never have mercy on something Satan has done in you. Don't protect it, don't admire it, and do not tolerate it. Praise the Lord. Shake somebody's hand and say, I'm changing from a worm to a butterfly. Look at the person behind you and say, don't eat dirt. So the Bible then is filled with people on both sides that had problems with their own identity. Gideon, Moses, Cain, Samson, the prodigal son, the woman at the well, Peter even. You have people that didn't have a problem like Esther, Joseph, Daniel, Joshua, and Caleb. They knew who they were. Jesus himself was real clear about who he was. He said, I am the light of the world. And he didn't say it out of ego. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the Lamb of God. I am the bright and morning star. I am the lily of the valley. I am Emmanuel. Jesus was real clear. And then he says something even more boggling, mind boggling. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And then he said, no man can enter heaven unless he goes through me. Now, at this point is when the polarizing begins. Where all the people say, oh, there's got to be a lot of ways to heaven. It's not just Jesus. Well, let me just say this. No religion of any of them, anyone you want to name, claims to have a Messiah that's sinless. Or resurrected from the dead. Only Jesus. So you got to make a choice. He's crazy or he's God. But he knew who he was when he came. And he knew because of who he was, what his job was. You'll never know your job until you know you. Praise the Lord. Look at someone next to you and say, wow, I got a lot to learn. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's why we're in church, everybody. 
Don't give up on yourself because all you see is negative things. Don't give up on yourself because all you see is bad fruit on your tree. Don't give up because nobody likes you. Don't give up because you don't like yourself. Just realize, hey, I've been neglecting the testings and provings and hands of my potter. I haven't been submitting. I've been resisting and getting upset about it. And I'm angry at God. Oh, God, forgive me. I repent. Jesus, Lord, I don't want to keep going around this mountain over and over and over again. I need to learn my lesson. Tell somebody next to you, you need to learn your lessons. So, well, you know, we're all, all stubborn in our family. You know that stubbornness, the Bible says, is like the sin of witchcraft? Stubbornness is not something you want to claim. You want to claim mild, meek, harmless, and wise as a serpent. Praise the Lord. Would you hug someone next to you? And say, it looks like your hair is really growing out really well. It is shooting out of you. Marvelous. Let's say it one more time out loud. I refuse to accept an identity that does not look like Jesus. Tell that to everybody around you. I refuse to accept an identity that does not look like Jesus. And everybody, say it out loud. I'm going to stop running from God's plow. Oh God, plow me over so only the seeds of heaven and the threads of divine revelation can wrap themselves around me. Now we come to the end, and this is the end. These are monsters of identity, and they eat your identity by living in people around you, in their nature, and even living in you. Never judge an evil person in the sense that you're better than them. Don't judge them like that. Just realize that the same nature that was in them when they were born is in you. Had you been fed that darkness, you could have become what they have become. Now, you made different choices, had different experiences, but there are many of you here could easily be in prison because of what has been done to you had you reacted in an evil way. And of course, some of you have been in prison. Praise the Lord. Look around and act like it's not you. <laughs> so here are the monsters that you're going to have to watch out for and also get healed from tonight. This is what we'll end with. The first monster of the Adamic nature, which is a type of Satan, is the wolf. The wolf is a predator, and the Bible tells us that there are people in Matthew 17 that walk around as wolves with sheep's clothing. 
These are predators. You have to be healed of all the predators that ever entered your life. These are the people that abused you. Physically, or sexually, or mentally, or emotionally, or relationally. They are the predators. They ate a piece of your innocence. And they took it from you without permission. Put your hand on your heart. Say, I forgive the predators. Because I will not be like them. I receive healing for every predator that ever entered my life or is still in my life. Heal me now, God, from the bite and the chewing and the ripping and the tearing of the predator's wounds in my life. Amen. Now stretch your hands out to people around you and say, be healed of every predator that ever entered your life. Two is the snake. And remember that inside you is the potential for you to be a wolf. The snake, Satan is compared to a snake, Genesis chapter 3. And so the snake, this is very important, they are the deceivers that entered your life. They are the seducers that entered your life. The snakes and the serpents that crawled around, that poisoned you with poison and with venom. And these must be healed as well. Because inside there, inside there, you have the potential to be a snake, a deceiver. This is why you must repent for all lying and all exaggerating. You must remove that from your language. Because if you don't, you are duplicating the snake. Do not exaggerate. The truth is good enough. If you hear somebody with an amazing testimony, don't color yours up. Well, I was in prison for nine years for murder. I was on cocaine for 37 years. But you're only 26. Well, it felt like 37 years. How many people have lied to you so far? And how much have you suffered for believing lies? When you look at the TV, is there ever, hardly ever in your life, someone you listen to that you really believe is telling the truth? Do you really think that all the advertisers are all telling the truth? So in essence, most of TV is one continual lie and exaggeration after another. Without exception, almost every single person on TV is lying to you. Sometimes ball face lying. These are snakes spewing out poison and venom. You must protect yourself from all that. There are, there are people on TV and things like that I will never listen to. Not ever. 
because God told me, don't listen to snakes. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Because if you get enough venom in your ears, the lies begin to sound like the truth. That's why if you listen to your own lies about yourself, you will begin to believe it. And now you're not within the reach of the hand of God. Give somebody a hug and say it's very getting very hot in the kitchen. The tortillas are really hot right now. Put your hands on your heart and receive healing right now from everyone who has lied to you and deceived you. Everyone who has spread their poison in you, their venom in you. This is all liars, all gossips, all people that were bitter, all people that were offended, all people that exaggerated, all people that made up things, all those that sowed discord. Receive healing from them and no longer let what they think about you define who you are. Say it out loud. I am defined by the unadulterated truth of my Lord and my Savior. Let's all take a praise break right now. Just tell him praise God. Say praise God. Say thank you God. Say thank you God. You then have the vultures. Genesis 15, 11, Abraham saw the vultures eating the sacrifice and scared them away. Vultures love the smell of death. So the vultures that are in your life come in groups. And they try to find where you are weak and where you are dying. And they begin to eat that part of your soul. There are those that come and pick at you because of a flaw, a fault. They begin to chew. They, they want you to die. And so they're there waiting all around you to pick you apart. Say this out loud. I rebuke all vultures out of my life. Say, I'm not dying. I am living. I'm not going down. I'm going up. I won't have the smell of death on me. I will have the smell and the fragrances of the Lamb of God. Resurrection power shall be upon me day and night, and I shall live in the glories of God. Come on, say it to everybody. I shall live in the glories of God. I shall live in the glories of God. I shall live in the glory. Come on, everybody. I rebuke the vultures. I rebuke all death. All death in every area of my life. Praise God. You then have, and this is very powerful in the scripture, is the witches of life. Satan is the head of witchcraft. And witchcraft carries six specific forms. One, the occult, that witchcraft. Then you have the witchcraft of a personality, people who have witchcraft in their personality. 
They dominate, they intimidate, they control. This is witchcraft in a person's personality. You then have the witchcraft of psychology, which is people that play mind games with you, put guilt trips on you, emotional blackmail, and all the realm of that. So you have fallen under that spell. Then there's physical witchcraft, which is when you control a person with your physical intimidation through threats of violence or in some way physically scaring them so they will do what you want. Because remember, all witchcraft is is to control another person. Then you have emotional witchcraft, which is when you are, for example, easily offended and everybody in your family knows you are. So everybody in your family walks on eggshells because they're afraid of you losing your temper so they can't be themselves because you are practicing witchcraft on them by simply scaring them all the time. He that is easily offended practices witchcraft. If you're never ever uh, able to be happy, if you're always sad, this is witchcraft. Even if you feel bad, you ought to act happy. Just so you won't torture everybody around you. Say, I can only be around you for five minutes because that's as long as I can fake it. But at least you're being polite enough to smile and do that rather than just jump into the dungeon in the name of, of, you know, I'm real. Well, don't be real with me. I'd rather you just smile and be happy, fake it for the time we're together, then go be real. So then you have witchcraft, spiritual witchcraft, which is when people use the Bible to get people to do what they want whether they are the gifts of the spirit. Uh, for example, this one man that I knew growing up, uh, he said to this woman who was married, the Lord gave me a prophecy that you married the wrong man. You're supposed to marry me. And things like that. So there's that kind of witchcraft. And these different types of witchcraft are what some of you have come under. You've been raised by witches and warlocks who didn't practice the black magic, but they practice control, intimidation, and manipulation. And that must be broken off you because your identity comes from that. It comes from all these things I'm naming. And you've got to declare war and say, I will not be manipulated, and I will not be controlled, and I will not be under the thumb and control and power of any human being for any reason. It is only God that I bow my knee to and not anybody else. I love everybody. I'm kind to everybody, unconditionally kind to them and generous and all that, but I will not be controlled. Praise God. Look at somebody and say, woo. Put your hands on your head and I release you from witchcraft in all of its forms by all those that entered your life that perform these acts of control, manipulation, and intimidation in your life and I sever their power over you forever. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you have 
than the Judas part of Satan. The Bible says Judas gave Jesus a kiss when he betrayed him. Everybody say this out loud. I will not be the result of those that have betrayed me. Say it out loud. I will not be formed by their betrayals. I forgive them. You're going to have Judases in your life. Satan is a Judas. Do not let them make you bitter. Do not let them hate, make you hate them. Do not let them occupy your dreams, your thoughts, and your meals. Forgive them out of your life. Say it, I forgive them right out of my life. Praise the Lord. Come on, take a praise break again and tell him how amazing he is. Say, God, holy Lamb of God. We're almost done. Look at somebody and say, wow, don't be done. Keep going forever. And the last one is this, found in Luke 10, 30 through 37. A man walking on the road fell among thieves. They beat him, wounded him, stripped him, and left him for dead. Satan is called the thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Who in your life has stolen from you? Who in your life has beat you, wounded you, stripped you, and abandoned you? Put your hands on your heart and say, I forgive them, and I will not walk around wounded, feeling rejected or unwanted. Those things will not form my identity. I am not rejectable. I am loved. I am priceless. I am a blessing. I am God's favorite child. God loves me. God loves me. And I am his favorite. Tell everybody around you, I am his favorite. You should believe that. That one statement was a prophetic word for me on the day I got saved. I actually heard God say it, but not audibly, but I heard it in my brain. And he said, you're my favorite. And I cried for three hours. And the reason I did is my mother would come to all my games. I played football, baseball, basketball, track. I was in sports year round. And I was like the best at everything. So, and she would come to every one of my games since I was about eight. And after the game, we had this ritual. I'd get in the car with her. We'd go to the dairy mart. There was like a little dairy mart. And they had these big shakes, banana nut shakes, and then a big burger. And uh, she'd order it. We'd sit in the car. She'd hold my hand. 
And she would say these words to me. She said, you're my favorite. Don't tell your brothers and sisters. And she did that till I got out of high school. So when God tells me, who feel like a dog, a piece of trash, you're my favorite, I knew exactly what he was trying to tell me. And it healed my identity. You are God's favorite. Please say it to each other now. You are God's favorite. Destiny Church, everybody, Destiny Church is God's favorite. Come on, everybody, say it out loud. Destiny Church is God's favorite. God is for Destiny Church. God is going to bless Destiny Church. God is going to support Destiny Church. God is going to give Destiny Church so many miracles in the years to come that they will just roll over and roll over and roll over. Year after year after year, even when Pastor Eric and Miss Cheryl have gone to heaven and Ryan and Hannah are, are raising their children, preaching with them, it'll just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. And then when they go to heaven, unless Jesus comes back, then all the Davinas and Divinas and all the little Shinas and all the babies, number four, we don't know if there's more. We just know that there's four. And so... As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.